Well, hello everyone and good morning and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We are going to get started with music while we allow people to join us uh, for Sunday School. And there's Ronnie. Good morning. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and play uh, music from the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. Uh, All in His Hands, featuring Anthony Brown and the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden Combined Choir. And here we go. Good morning and thank you for being here this morning. It's raining outside, I know that. All in His Hands. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Amen. Amen. It's one of those churches that looks like it has 5,000 members in the choir. You can tell, right? It's a sea of yellow and white <laughs> and the robes. Amen. Amen. Hey, Jackie. Got my coffee. Amen. Good morning. Should have got a warm up though. Amen. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's for right. Okay. I'll make a Okay. Uh, Thanksgiving was really quiet, but really good, Jackie. Thanks for asking. It was really quiet. We enjoyed it. Uh, a little bit uncontemporary, but it was uh, very pleasant. 
Um, yeah, so worked out well. Very nice, very restful Thanksgiving. We we always make it a point to have restful Thanksgivings if we can because we're running all the time. <laughs> so it's time to take a rest. <laughs> that's how we want to do it, that's for sure. We're always running around. We're always busy. <laughs> we have hybrid work schedules, but we're still busy. This is how it works out. Amen. This and that. I put it all in his hands. Amen, amen. Good morning. We do have an audience here as well, everybody. Thank you for being here this morning. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Peaceful and fattening. Well, yeah, I can't. That's that's a. <laughs> you got stuff just like the turkey got stuff, didn't you? Oh well. Uh, I can't afford to do that anymore, myself. Amen. Okay. That was the uh, song All in His Hands by Anthony Brown in the uh, First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. We're gonna, we had to cut it a little bit short there because it was moving into our time for Sunday school a little bit. But we have some announcements to make as well, too. But thank you for being here this morning. Uh, Greg and Caroline, good morning. Thanks for being here as well, too. We appreciate you. We um, have some announcements. We're going to get into a new chapter in the book of John today. Um, and... The announcements involve, of course, just um, noting that Pastor Gus has a message online that is available. Uh, It will be available in the Akron Alliance Fellowship timeline on Facebook. Uh, It is the message on, I have to get this right, it's on the Conviction of Righteousness. Ah, I had to remember the title. The Conviction of Righteousness, it will be available on the timeline after Sunday School, uh, following Sunday School. For those of you in Akron, come on and see his message live today. It is uh, live in church as well. We are live in church. We have an audience here. And we want to make sure that uh, we have, of course, the complete church experience live and online um, in church. So we appreciate you all uh, joining us for that. For those of you who are not able to come to church, you'll see that message on the timeline following Sunday school. Um, Please remember your tithes and offerings. We appreciate you 
uh, always making sure that you're taking care of those the, the, those important matters of giving, of important matters of worship, uh, and that's giving uh, to the church, uh, giving with your tithes and offerings. Uh, our local audience right here, we have baskets out actually for contributions towards Sunday school. Uh, make sure uh, that you're uh, noting that too, and that is not money for me. Uh, just so you know that, it, it is not my money. Uh, I, I do this... Uh, not for for funds, <laughs> so by all means, make sure that you're uh, contributing in that manner as well too. But we appreciate you doing that. And later today, for those of you who uh, don't plan on being outside, I don't know how anybody's going to plan on being outside because it's supposed to rain all day. Uh, we have a Zoom Bible study at five o'clock, so uh, we will welcome you to participate in our Zoom Bible study. We're in the Book of Luke, and we're continuing in the study there, and we welcome you to join us for the Zoom Bible study. If you have not already submitted your email address to us, please do so to akronalliance at gmail.com, and we will get you an invitation. It is free to participate. You need to have Zoom installed on your device, whatever device you plan to use, before the meeting starts. Otherwise, it's not going to work. But if you've already done that, you've already used Zoom before, you know exactly what I'm referring to, and that will be going on later on today at 5 o'clock. So we welcome you uh, uh, to Sunday School this morning. And we are going to now get into the lesson because it is going to uh, continue to show us a, a period of time, a 24-hour period of time in, in Jesus' life uh, on earth. It is going to cover um, his feeding the 5,000 and walking on water. And, you know, like, why are we covering two different things like that? Well, there's different lessons to be obtained from this. Good morning, Debbie. I'm glad that you made it. I don't like scaring people. I'm just not trying to do that. But um, um, but we appreciate you being here. And um, we're going to look at how the these two different demonstrations that Jesus makes are going to show us some very important things that I want you to keep in mind. First of all, there is training taking place in this passage the training of the disciples and the training of all those who are paying attention about who Jesus is and what he does. Uh, he's going to show the different signs, which we've just described. And what is this going to do? It's going to challenge us about our level of faith and if we're believing what Jesus tells us. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. So let's go ahead and get started with the passage. It's... Um, John chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. We're going to be in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. And with this in mind and with the focus that the Holy Spirit does all the speaking and not me. Amen. Just uh, not my words, but the Spirit indeed. Uh, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we are just so thankful and we just love your grace and your presence this morning. Lord, we just want to learn from you. We want the Holy Spirit to teach us now what you would have us to know and understand. Thank you, Lord, for your very presence. Thank you, Lord, that you indeed give us the reassurance of hope that everything that you've said in your word will indeed come true. And we pray, Lord, that you just continue to impart this on our hearts and minds. And Lord, may we share in the same manner with others in confidence of your goodness that you indeed do keep all your promises, that you do indeed have shown yourself to be who you are. And Lord, we thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, everyone, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 6. Let's take a look at verses 1 through 21 today. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. This is a continuation of the study of uh, the message and ministry of Jesus. That covers John chapter 2, verse 12, all the way through to John chapter 12, verse 50. So this is just an ongoing sequence here. Now, I want to set things up here as we go. Uh, before I start reading the passage, if you were to compare this part of the uh, lesson to the other Gospels, there's a couple of things that we need to make, make a note of. Um, first of all, this is just, it, it, even though it, it says this after this, there, it depends on what version of the Bible that you read, uh, it's going to be some time after this, when, at the end of John chapter 5, to this period, John chapter 6. But what we want to point out here is that in this particular reference to the gospel, there's no mention in the book of John uh, about John be, the Baptist being beheaded in prison. Sometime between the end of John chapter 5 and now John chapter 6, that's when John was beheaded in prison. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke do cover that. John does not, which is really interesting. I uh, don't want to read too much into that, but I'm going to give you an int information here that John is much more focused on demonstrating who Jesus is as the Messiah because of the miracles that he performs. So I want you to focus on that part of it because John the Baptist is a side story. It's, it's an important story. We need to see that. But John does not even talk about it. And if we go further in the account in this passage I'm going to be reading to you, Matthew is the only one who gives an account of Peter trying to walk on water to meet Jesus. The other Gospels, including John, do not talk about that. It does talk about Jesus walking on water, but doesn't talk about that. Now, what that tells you, though, is that we have four different authors and we have four different ways of looking at the information and what the inspiration of the Spirit gave them to include in their books, we need to see that that indeed is something that it's unique. We have unique versions of what's happening. But John has a very specific focus here. And let's go ahead and look at the passage and we'll see what the focus is on. So starting at John chapter 6, verse 1. This is the New Living Translation. Follow along in your version. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. Verse 2, a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Verse 6. He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Verse 8. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There is a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Verse 10. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. 
Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they ate all they all ate as much as they wanted. Verse 12. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled twelve baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Remember that passage, verse 15. Now verse 16. That evening Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, Don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat and immediately they arrived at their destination. Okay, that's verses 1 through 21 of John chapter 6. And a little homework assignment. I'm going to have you go back and look at that, those passages that go along with this portion of the gospel. I should have noted them. I had them in my other Bible and I forgot to write them down. But if you go back, you'll find them. They're in, 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 in the different sections of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Just to give an account to see the differences about how this was presented. But again, what were we focusing on here? What was uh, John focusing on here about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 plus and we you know by all accounts we're talking about women and children being there as well too families being there so the number was much greater than 5,000 probably closer to 10,000 but we're not going to get into all that that's uh, it's we're going to reference what's in scripture of course but we have to make the assumption that there were other people there obviously besides men there were families there were children all being fed and they were all there to see Jesus Okay, back to, let's look at this now about, first about the feeding part. And we're looking at how in this particular chapter, we have an illustration of John's method in selecting for his purpose the miracles which became the text of our Lord's discourses. Okay, so these, uh, that's what we're looking at here. And... They were gathered to celebrate the Passover, the people who were there uh, all throughout the countryside. In Jerusalem, their people are commanded to go to celebrate the Passover in the city of Jerusalem. So that's what they were doing. And the word about Jesus had gotten out. A lot more popularity now. This was supposedly sometime after what we had mentioned earlier, the end of chapter 5, when he was having the conversation with the Pharisees. So... We don't have the dates. We don't know what the dates are. We don't really know quite how that worked out, but that's exactly what we uh, are informed about here in Scripture. But we understand that the Passover, what's the celebration of the Passover all about? It's all about how the the Jews were rescued from uh, the Egyptians. So this was a great time of celebration. Everybody was getting together for that reason, that purpose, to celebrate um, about what indeed had taken place at that moment. But now we're going to show the involvement of Jesus to help to speak to the crowd and to speak to the people. And 
what, go back to verse 2. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw, make a note, his miraculous signs. You can underline that or highlight that in your Bible. They saw his miraculous signs as he did what? Healed the sick. Healed the sick. The demonstration that Jesus was doing to show people he was indeed legitimately the Messiah was his power of healing. He could heal the sick. And those who were showing up, they knew who... The word got out, hey, this man healed me. Come and see Jesus. I, he will heal you too. So those who had infirmities, those who were sick, those who were having difficulty, he indeed... Um, the, people, the word had gotten out and he was healing these people. Now, here's the thing too that we need to look at as we look at this passage and look at what these people were going through when they came to ask for God's forgiveness, when they asked for healing, when they asked for repentance. Sometimes God challenges us in how we come to him if we're coming fully before him. And sometimes he has to break some of us down to the point where we have nothing left but to come to him in humility and be humble. We, have, we serve a God who does not like fakery or pretenders. He wants humble hearts. He wants to see humble hearts come before him. And I think that this is what we need to understand here. The mindset of the people coming to visit Jesus, they were there for the Passover, but the mindset of everybody there who was really regarding the Passover, they're being thankful for what God has done. They're being thankful with, with hearts of gladness. There's joy in the celebration of the Passover. It's a solemn occasion. But what was happening here? the people, the Israelites, were being rescued from the tyranny of the Egyptians. And it was because of God's miracle doing that. And sometimes we have to come back to the Lord and say that we are inadequate in where we are. That we indeed need His repentance. We need, his, we need to repent and ask for His forgiveness we need him to bless us. We need him to carry us. We need him to protect us. We need him to keep us. But sometimes he just wants us to see where we are and that we can do very little to nothing on our own. It's God that has to do it. God is the one who has to rescue us. God is the one who has to keep us. God is the one who has to step in and, frankly, fill us. When he had all the people sit down, go back to verse 3. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. In verse 5, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look to, for him. Now we'll stop there because we'll get to the Philip part in a moment. But he wants people to understand in this particular miracle that takes place, First of all, many times, Jesus referred to himself as the bread of life. He wants us to see, he got the people to sit down. He got the people to sit and show reverence for God with prayer and bless them with 
the food, the food that was provided. When we pray, I hope we're praying every time we get food before we sit down for a meal because it's God's provision. It's God's provision. And, and it has nothing to do with whether we're in the United States or in Ghana or other countries. It's the same everywhere. Whatever God gives us, that's His provision. That's His provision. And we should be thankful for what He does. And this demonstration of the miracle here, He's showing that in spite of what it looks like is happening, there's not a lot of food there. There's no amount of money, that's what Philip's going to say, that's going to be able to take care of buying this food. God provides it for us. We don't know all the steps that take place when God provides food for us, but he does it. And he does it. And it was not just a little bit of food, it was an abundance of food. Abundance of food. An abundance of food. Interesting fact here, and I'm going to share this with you too. Another account in one of the Gospels talks about how even after this demonstration, the, the disciples didn't get it right away. For whatever reason, God kept them from seeing, getting complete understanding of what had taken place when the feeding of the 5,000 plus took place. And that's, only, that's a mystery of teaching that I can't, come back and figure out why he did not let them see that right away. Now, he did let them see what happened with the boat we'll get to later. And then all of that's going to come back into memory, into account. It's not like they forgot about it. It just didn't really click. You know, when you're sitting and you're learning something, maybe you're reading a passage and, it, and all of a sudden it clicks. You may not have understood it right away. Well, this is a click moment for them too. They didn't get it right away, but they did later on. This is covering a 24-hour period of Jesus' life. That's what we said earlier. So the abundance of food was there. It was a happy, it was a comfortable meal. We've been kind of talking about how was your Thanksgiving? How was Thanksgiving? And just about everyone said it was great. There was an abundance of food, plenty to eat, and we know we're blessed to have it. Why? Because we know not everybody has what we have. Not everybody can get what we have. It's not about... Anything other than the fact that that's just the reality. There will always be the poor among us. That's what Jesus says. But we're blessed, and we should say thank you, for the provision that God gives to us because He gives it to us. And understand that there was such an abundance of food. Let's go further here. Let's go further in the passage. that I don't want to get too far behind here. Back to verse 5. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him, turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Of course Jesus knew what he was already going to do. He saw the number of people. He saw what was going on. That's what's happening here. That's John chapter 6, verse 6. Then Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Let me, let me ask you something here, first of all. Have there been moments in ministry where you look at something and say, hey, I'm not sure we can do this. And my answer is, yeah, you're right. You can't do this. But what's the lesson here? God can. Even when we can't see the outcome, even when we were doing that carnival, that 
wild, wonderful, <laughs> amazing carnival with a short number, a, a sm- when I say a short number of people, a small number of people compared to the number of people visiting, that carnival was nothing less than God working through this community to get people to come and enjoy and fellowship and have a great time. And, and all I can say is that we couldn't see the outcome of that. All we could do is plan for it, especially the last one we did. Amen? There are people here that know exactly what I'm <laughs> <laughs> they know exactly what I'm referring to. And that one carnival where we had uh, a, a huge downpour of rain all around, everywhere but here, on the, the campus of the church. And people were saying, it's raining cats and dogs, but it's, it's dry here. Come on through. We had sunshine. We had sunshine. We, it was like a pocket over our heads. Now, that's just a sign. That was a sign for all of us. Let's just, let's just be real about this. We need to see what God could do. Because rain will ruin an outdoor event. I mean, especially raining cats and dogs and coming out and, and all that. And yet we were able to have that carnival without any problem. But God wants us to see that he's the one who does what is improbable or impossible in our lives. When they gathered the baskets of food... Let's get to that. I need to get back to that part. Um, verse 8. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? What good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God. Highlight that. Gave thanks to God. And distributed them to the people. Distributed what to the people? All kinds of food. After he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. Verse 12, after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers. Have you all got leftovers for Thanksgiving? Amen. Amen. Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. What is Jesus teaching right here? Don't waste your food. Don't waste the provision. Don't waste what God gives to you. Don't let it rot. Put that leftover food in the refrigerator. Seal it up in a Tupperware container. Do whatever you have to do to make sure that that food doesn't go to waste. But he's teaching us a lesson here. So they picked up the pieces, verse 13, so they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Twelve baskets of scraps. And we'll get to verse 14 in a minute. I don't want to lose what's going on here. But there are so many lessons being taught in this passage. Back to verse 5, Philip was being tested for one reason. For his faith. He already knew about Bethsaida. He was from that town. He lived there. He knew the area. And so he knew what it would cost and what the food would, would, how much effort it would take to get the food. And frankly, we didn't have the money to do it. But he was testing Philip specifically for his faith. And we need to understand that that's exactly what it says in verse 6. He already knew what he was going to do. But he wanted to see if Philip would understand 
what was going to happen afterward. Jesus had asked for a human solution to the problem, but he knew there would be no human solution. There's no human solution for that. He was highlighting, he was letting people see what he was going to do to take care of all those people. Feed those five to 10,000 people. And if we're really conservative, we're thinking about this. You know, we have a local basketball arena, I think that holds, what, 5,000, 6,000 people? There's a lot of people that can go to a basketball game. That's a lot of folks to feed in one sitting. And it would cost a lot of money, too. Okay. Philip was trying to assess the cost of what it would take. But Jesus is trying to teach Philip that financial resources are not the most important ones. Now, let, let me repeat that. Financial resources are not the most important ones. And we need to understand something. If we don't trust God in our lives, then how can we really know what he's doing? If we don't trust God in the big things and the small things, which I think was that that song that was going on before we started here, how will we know what he's doing? It requires faith. We can limit what God does in us by assuming what is possible and what is not possible. Listen, if we don't pray for healing, how do we know if God is healing? If we don't pray for changes in our circumstances, if we don't pray for God's protection, how do we know that He's protecting us? We're only going to equate it to what we understand as human beings. What we've been taught. What we know. And remember, just when it comes to finances, there's nothing wrong with planning for your finances because there clearly is wisdom in planning for your finances as you get older. You know, the Bible speaks many times about fools who don't regard anything other than themselves. So there's wisdom in planning. But, you know as well as I do that things happen to our money sometimes and we have no control over. No control. The economic downturn over the last couple of years has shrunk a lot of people's 401ks. And people have made the decision, maybe without even praying about it, I guess I have to keep working for a little while longer. Well, do you really have to? Or <laughs> do you have to work? Or is it a matter of prayer to see what's best for you and your family? I'm not saying the answer is no. It might be that you might have to work. But you know what? Sometimes we, get, we make a lot of decisions sometimes without praying about them. And I would challenge you just to you know, consider that. Because if we don't pray about stuff, how do you know if God's doing it? But God is doing it. And God is doing many great things. Here's a great question. Is there some impossible task 
that you believe God wants you to do? It says impossible. Well, let me tell you a secret. Maybe it's not much of a secret. But you're all miracles being here right now. Because you have the grace of God, which is a gift that God gave you. You can't get saved on your own. It has to be the grace that he gives to us in salvation. But keep in mind that God's the one who can do the miraculous. He wants us to trust him with the resources to do so. Pastor Gus had said something very true. We have a very small church, but we're a mighty church. We're doing a lot of stuff. And, I'm a, and I don't want to get in comparison so much with other churches in our district. But a lot of churches in our district are hurting right now with attendance and finances. And maybe, just guessing, maybe God is challenging them to pray more about their situation. Sometimes God puts something in front of us to challenge us to go to Him when it looks like what we're doing is impossible. What do we have to pray for as a church? The most important thing for us to pray for is that every member within our church, everybody who's within our midst, everybody who hears our message goes directly to God, relies upon God, seeks after God, prays to God, strengthens their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That should be the primary prayer for any church. And the Lord knows about your finances or lack of them. And the Lord knows about your attendance or lack thereof. But who brings people to the church? God does. Shorty, you going out on diagonal road and flagging somebody down and coming into the, you know, come on in here, come on in here. Well, you're not going to be able to do that. No one's going to want to do that. People have to want to come because God prompts them to come. That's what you pray for. God does the miraculous. And what's a miracle? A miracle in plain, plain uh, English is something that is unforeseen, unexpected. It's not a Webster's Dictionary definition of what miracles are, but it's unexpected, it's unseen. And yet God can do all of those things. Okay, let's move on. wanted to make sure we were covering that part sufficiently. And the other thing, too, um, I, I do want to point out, the boy that was pointed out back in the passage in verse 9, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. No, he was ready. He had food. He was prepared. But guess what he wound up doing? He gave it to Jesus. He gave it to him to do what Jesus needed to do. He did so unselfishly by all accounts. I mean, they didn't wrestle the guy to get the barley of food. He gave it to him. Now, what we need to see in that is that it's important for us to remember the lesson here. The boy gave little what he had. He gave what he had, but it made a big difference. 
If we don't offer anything to God, he has nothing to use. And that includes not just money, it includes you as a person. You as a person. All of us have a reason and a purpose for living. All of us. So we need to make sure that we're giving God the little that we have, but let Him turn it into something great. Let Him multiply our efforts. Let Him multiply what is being done to reach people for the kingdom. Amen? That's what we're talking about here. And Jesus... You ought to give praise to the Lord for one thing that's very important here. Jesus wants to work through His people. He wants to work through us. There were clearly people involved as recipients of the miracle here, of the feeding of the 5,000. But who was He working through? The little boy, the disciples, everybody who was there. He was working through them. And the food miraculously just showed up. Of course God did it. He provided it. But He wants people to see that there's a lesson And the lesson here is that God not only gives, but he gives in abundance. Abundance. Food left over, even after everybody had everything they wanted to eat. Everything that filled them up. What a blessing. God is a multiplier, God's a provider. And a multiplier. He multiplies. He multiplies blessings. For those who are faithful and true to his word, he multiplies blessings to us. He gives us life. He gives us the ability to see and recognize his goodness. And he wants you to see how the work you do is for the kingdom. He wants you to see that. It's for the kingdom. And that's what it's all about. The kingdom. Okay, let's continue. Now, let's go back down. Verse 14, John chapter 6. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. Now, what prophet are we referring to? Uh, We're referring to what Moses wrote about Jesus. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy 18.15. Now remember, a lot of the people there probably were much more well-spoken or understanding of the word because they had it put in front of them all the time. You know, one thing about we have to understand about the people of that time, what was life all about? Work, working in whatever fields they have or whatever they'd have for crops, and going to, going, to the, going to the temple, going to worship, and learning about God's word. And Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 18.15, we had a debate about this last week about who the writers are, but we still attribute it to Moses because we believe that he was the one who was inspired to write these things. Moses, pardon me, Moses, Deuteronomy 18.15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, From among your own brothers, you must listen to him. Now, 
Who is he talking about? The Lord's going to raise up a prophet. Well, he's actually referring to Jesus. And Moses doesn't know who he's referring to. But we can point back to this and say he's referring to Jesus. Because ultimately, what was the most important thing about Jesus? He is the living word of God. He's proclaiming the word. And it was important for people to do what? Listen to him. Listen to his word. Listen to what he's saying. Now, back to that passage about surely he is a prophet that we have been expecting. And it says in verse 15 of John 6, when Jesus saw they were ready to force him to be their king. I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible, the New Living Translation says, force him to be their king. He slipped away into the hills by himself. Now, this is something that is sometimes looked at too quickly. But I mentioned earlier to pay attention to this passage. Jesus is proving in this particular demonstration that he was no weak fanatic. He was no enthusiast. He was not someone who was power hungry. He did not allow them to put him in a position of being king because it was not the appropriate time and it wasn't the appropriate way. The people said, we have seen the Messiah. This must be the one being referred to in Scripture. And they were right. But Jesus is showing us he refused the impulse of the crowds to make him king. Now, this almost is a revisiting, going back to Matthew chapter 4, of when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. If you think about that account that he had with Satan and how Satan was promising him the kingdoms of all the earth if he would just bow down and worship him. And ultimately Jesus rebuffed him with what? His own word. He is not power hungry. The only one that was filled to do God's will here, of course, was Jesus. It was not his will, it was not God's will for him to be installed as king at that moment. But we need to see that he went away. He slipped away into the hills by himself. He took off. He got out of there. He got away from that. Because you've got to understand something very important here, everybody. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And the more that crowd would have approached him and insisted upon him doing these things, he had to get out of there. What does Satan, what does it say in the word itself when Satan is coming? If you put the word in front of him, Satan has to flee. Well, sometimes we need to tell Satan to get behind us or we need to get out of there too. To get away from him. Important for us to see Jesus was not going to be Lord and Savior for us before his time. He resisted that and got out of there. 
and basically hid out. Was hiding. We need to understand that Jesus went often to pray. He went away to pray. And he went away in a quiet place to pray. What's the lesson for us? Do the same thing. Get right before God. Get right in his midst and pray. I'm going to move on for the sake of time. Verse 16, back to John chapter 6. That evening Jesus went down to the shore to wait for him. Jesus' disciples, excuse me, went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake towards Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified. But they called out to them. He called out to them, Don't be afraid. I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. Now, immediately they arrived at their destination. What does that mean? They wound up at Capernaum? Just like that. You've got to read this stuff very carefully, everybody. They were going to Capernaum. They were in the middle of the water. Jesus got in the boat. They arrived at Capernaum. Now, John's account does not tell you what I was going to tell you earlier, but the light bulb didn't go off in the head of the disciples until that moment. I want to say that's in Matthew. I'm, I Don't quote me on that, but if you go back and look at that. But then they believed... Is, the words are is that they believed what they were seeing. They believed in Jesus being this one who was chosen by God. The one to follow. And storms on the Sea of Galilee were no joke. Lake Erie storms are no joke. Why? Because the lake is shallow. Sea of Galilee was the same way. Sea of Galilee was below sea level. It's 150 feet deep. And if there's a storm there, it's going to turn the water up like crazy. And you remember that there was fear in the disciples' minds when they were on this boat and they were going and Jesus is the one that had to do what? In his presence, calm everything down. Miracle after miracle after miracle, after miracle. You're, you're seeing, you're seeing evidence in this 24-hour period of all the different things that Jesus did. We list them as two different events, but there was much more going on within those events. And that's what we need to see here. Jesus is always working. He's always doing something in our lives even when we can't see it. And yet he's doing it. And at the end of the day, when we come back and say, well, that was nobody but God, we know it was nobody but God because we can't see in our own minds how God did it. But yet it was done. We need to see this teaching here. Jesus tells us not to be afraid. 
even when we face spiritual and emotional storms, we are tossed about. He keeps us safe. He protects us. When we pray for travel mercies, they mean something. We should always pray for travel mercies. Amen? It's very important to do that. Okay. I think we'll have to stop there because time is running out. But I want you to see how God shows us in this particular section of the passage all the different things he did that were miraculous, even within these two things, to show what? He's always present. He's always there. He loves us. He cares about us. All these things you can tie into what he did. He wants us to have food. He wants to provide for us. He wants to keep us safe. He wants to protect us. And what do we have to do? We just have to seek after him and pray. Amen? I hope we can see that. I hope we can see the teaching here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you're doing and all that you continue to do, Lord, to demonstrate to us your goodness. Lord, you show you love us with all these different actions that take place. And you also make those teachable moments for us. Because, Lord, we need to see your goodness operating in many different ways where we don't expect anything as far as our own human energy or strength. And yet you show us over and over again your provision. Thank you, Lord, for doing those things for our lives. Thank you for affirming us with your presence. Thank you, Lord, for showing us the importance of trusting in you and having faith that you can do all these things. Bless us and keep us now, Lord. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship. We thank you for being here and hanging us with us for a couple minutes too late here. But God bless you all and take care of yourselves. Next week we'll be on location with our Sunday School, but we will see you next week, same time, same channel. Take care. We'll see you next time.